Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. I'm really excited about today's episode because my friend Scott McCallis stopped by my home on his way to Louisiana to discuss with me his childhood, the major influences that shaped him into the fishing captain he is today. We had talks about his childhood in the Mosquito Lagoon, where he would trade fresh fish for burgers, as well as a summer that he dedicated to pulling the entire lagoon. We had one of the best conversations I've had so far about scouting and how to continue to grow as a guide, and we even had some fun in a guest appearance for my three-year-old. Scott shared with me an incredible pompano recipe that I've included in the blog post, and we hope that you guys enjoy our time together in this great conversation. This is the Captain's Collective. I'll say it's anything you choose, I think it picks you. You know, it's genetic. Hank said you won. I grabbed my dad by his face and kissed him on the mouth, and you I couldn't have smiled harder. My lips were past my ears. You have a fly rod in your hand. It's this tool that takes you to beautiful places. You meet hopefully wonderful people, and it's just this cherry on top of this outdoor adventure. When the fish is coming, that shot within a shot, that timer starts. Beep, 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 So what Grandpa and Dad would tell me is like, all right, where's the old big trout laying out there? Where's his shaving cream on the water? Where's he been shaving this morning? That's look for his shaving cream on the water. That's where he's going to be. All right. Hey, Scott. Thanks for hanging out and stopping by Tallahassee and joining us on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We've been talking about it for a while. And, you know, my, my, my I-10 transit that I take from, you know, Florida, Louisiana, Louisiana to Florida and all that stuff. And we've been, yeah. been working on trying to do something. Glad we could finally find a gap where I could uh, slide in between. Yeah, know, eat just, some Thai food and yeah, enjoy good. the beautiful scenic yeah, I, I appreciate that. Monroe Street of uh, Tallahassee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you tell us uh, where you're heading and what's going on in life right now? So uh, I'm I'm headed home. I guess went home. I'm headed from home back to Louisiana um, after Christmas. It's right at the first of the year in January. I usually um, am in Louisiana sometime around the first of October through around Super Bowl. But I I go home for about three weeks at Christmas to you know do the whole family stuff. And uh, I'm just on my on my way back out to Louisiana. What's the, what's today? The tenth of January. 9th of January. Or I don't know. I just had a kid. I don't know. Yeah, you're. I don't you're, even you're, know what day of the week. No, it no, is no, right no. Now. You're in that. You're in that black hole. That's, yeah. that's going <laughs> to last a while. You're not going to know what's up or down or left or right. I think that it is January eighth. Yeah. Oh, see, so yeah, we're both wrong. We're both wrong. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So head into Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing over there? Predominantly redfish. Yeah, mostly redfish. I mean, this time of year it's, it's mostly redfish and black drum, sheep's head. Mm. Um, you know early season you'll get some jacks and stuff some different different things but the water's getting too cold for that now so yeah what's but, the secret to catching black drum on the fly uh out there there's really not much of a secret it's uh get in front of them they <laughs> like uh you know you know just depends they like dark stuff there um we get a lot of them um you know my i guess my home waters are mosquito lagoon um you know east of orlando um you know some people know where it is some people don't you know it's pretty mm-hmm pretty well-known shallow water fishery and it's it's close to orlando which is kind of neat because you don't get a lot of people that are you know you know dad's day off or they'll come from disney and and fish for the day or or what you know what have you all the you know the space 
stuff. There's a lot of people in and out of town, you mm-hmm. know, watching the, the rocket launches and all that stuff. So it's a, it's a neat little spot. Yeah. Well, before we dive into all that, and I'm excited to talk about that, could you give us a little bit of background about how you got into guiding and how you got into fishing in the first place? Yeah. I'll, um, so, you know, where I'm, where I live, um, you know, it's all, all shallow water grass flats. Um, you know, my, my dad's a big fisherman. Um, you know, we used to fish a lot, you know, now he's, he's, you know, he's in his early seventies now and his balance isn't so good. So we don't get to go fishing too much mm-hmm. anymore, but, um, we, uh, you know, used to you know ride my bike down to the river and, um, you know, p- throw plugs and spoons for trout and stuff. And then I started fly fishing when I was probably about, I think it was like eight or nine. I was uh, pretty young. Yeah. I, I, well, I, so just like a lot of people in my, my demographic, you know, I was watching, you know, all the fishing shows on ESPN and mm-hmm. started watching Walker's K Chronicles. Yeah. Flip, I'm going to call you out. Thank you for causing all this. You know, yeah. you kind of created this monster just from, you know, from, from watching what, you know, what you guys are doing. But, um, and we had a, we had an excellent fly shop in Titusville. Um, I said the time, um, it was the, uh, the, it's called the fly fisherman. They had one in Titusville and then one also in Orlando. Um, the owners of the shop, the, the steels, Franklin, the steel, they, at one point in time, they had, that was one of the highest grossing fly shops in the country. I mean, that was an wow. amazing shop I mean, they had great people. In Titusville? Yeah, I was in Titusville and they had one in Titusville in Orlando. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that, that, that shop kind of, you know, they were really big on, on instruction, you know, did fly tying instruction. They did ca- kids casting clinics and they did a lot of stuff and that they kind of, um, you know, that's the reason why I'm here is a lot, a lot to do with what, you know, the, the influence the steels had on, you know, on me with that kind of stuff when it came to fly fishing. Cause my dad doesn't fly fish. He still doesn't yeah. fly fish. I just decided I wanted to do it. I don't know why I don't know what caused it, but I just, I decided I want to, I, this is what I want to do. And flip pallet in some floral shorts, you know, oh, pulling yeah. around oh, fly fishing. Such, such a, I mean, yeah. what a great show. I mean, yeah. just JT Van Zant was just on the podcast. Same thing. I mean, got sucked into that oh, yeah. same, same deal. I mean, how couldn't you? I mean, it's like, I mean, the, the, I mean the, the cinematography on that, the, the way it was done is just, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if there, that is, I don't know that has to, it's still in my eye. That's, that's the standard for all fishing shows is that show. I mean, yeah. just the way that, the way that it was done. But, um, so, you know, I started fishing, you know, doing that, you know, going, you know, going to the fly shop and doing activities with them and, um, you know, waiting and fishing with my, my dad, we had a, a John boat that we used to fish out of. And then in the, in the early nineties, got a Hughes bone fisher hmm. and, um, you know, started really, you know, hardcore flats fishing by sight that, you know, we still sight fished out of the, out of the, mm-hmm. out of the John boat, caught a ton of fish out. I mean, it was, you know, the fishing in, um, you know, in the Mesquite Lagoon, the Indian river in the, in the late nineties to the mid two thousands, like 2010, 12 even was lights out good and um you know we used we caught a lot of fish i mean it was it was a a really special place but um i was also involved in a in a fishing club that was called the florida sport fishing association Mm -hmm. and um they had a point system where you know you had you know citation weight fish but you had a fish like fly artificial ultralight tackle bait like set up like kind of like the met tournament like like they do down in miami Mm -hmm. the the, you know the metropolitan fishing club down there but uh, the same same exact setup so but with that club, um, I ran into a lot of people. I mean, I was a young guy. I was like the kid. How old, how old at that time? I was, I mean, I was, in, I was a, by the time I was really competing well in the club, I was, an, I was a teenager, but I spent a lot of my time like doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that was what I did. And, and 
Um, but, but it was the, the people that I got around in that club really influenced how I fished because I had to get good at everything. I couldn't mm-hmm. just do one thing and, and, and make the point, the, you know, the point system, you know, the way it was set up, you had to, to catch fish in all the different tackle categories to be competitive. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, one of my mentors and, you know, best friends, he and his wife, I guess, Troy and was, I guess his, um, you know, now deceased wife, um, one of the best light tackle anglers to probably ever live was Christine Perez. She, mm-hmm. I don't know how many yeah. world records she had hundred over, over a hundred records. So they were involved in the club and just a bunch of other people that were, you know, the, like that style of fishing, but yeah. it, it made, um, it's, I don't know, it's hard to, to, to really explain the, the detail that you had to, to do. Cause at that time those were, we're fishing monofilament. This was before braid we're fishing four pound mm-hmm. monofilament for 30 pound fish and, you know, doing a lot of cool stuff like that. But, the, um, you know, that club was, you know, another reason I kind of got in, you know, got, got into the, the style of, you know, light mm-hmm. tackle fly sight fishing too. So, mm-hmm. so were you eight or nine hanging out at a fly shop? Yeah. Yeah. And just, did you bicycle up there, drop off? No. Or? So, so we would, um, you know, my mom, I, you know, I'd always want to go up there. So mm-hmm. I'll like do my little chores around the house and I'll put a, a, put a rod or something on layaway. And, um, so I'd go up there and, and give them money every week for my layaway stuff. Layaway. Yeah. See, seriously. That, see, that's, but our kids aren't going to get experience that are they? I guess not in that form where they're, I don't think that the, you know, the, you know, where, where our kids are at their ages that they're, you know, they, they've, you know, our daughters are, basically the same exact age within yeah. a couple of weeks of one another or, you know, I guess yeah. your older daughter and my, yeah. my only daughter, but, um, you know, the, we'll definitely, that we will instill some kind of a layaway, you know, I guess program, a, a program like parent layaway, <laughs> like, all right, you know, if you want this, you need to work and uh, Amazon and, needs it for yeah, kids, yeah, you know, yeah. cause that was, that was kind of fun. Like, you know, you brought that up. I hadn't thought about that in a long time, but like the idea of, you know, layaway and the visual to that when you're a kid being the motivation because right now my daughter saves change and yeah. she's got a big uh jar of change and you you can ask her you can say what are you saving for now she's going to say either a boat or she'll say a fast car but she means a real car or you know <laughs> she, it just could be anything <laughs> right but it is interesting to think about a nine-year-old you know that's doing that that's though, you know, know? I, yeah i don't know how it's gonna happen now but so it was it was good because they you know, I'd go in and pay, you know, give them my money. And what was the rod? Do you remember? Yeah. So my first fly rod was a Browning. I don't even know what make it was. And okay. I had a, uh, an old, um, Garcia fly reel, which was before Abu and Garcia mm-hmm. that my dad was actually, my cousin gave it to me that my dad, my mom and dad gave to him like as a, uh, some present, but he never, he wasn't a fisherman. So he yeah. had this fly reel that was 20, some 20 years old that was had no drag on it. Nothing. Was it, it was, the right even weight, you know? Oh no, it was just what I had. And then, uh, <laughs> to the trout, a river <laughs> trout rod. Yeah, you basically. Know, yeah. Um, but I caught a lot of fish on it, you know, it was, it, but you know, it served its purpose. Yeah. You know, it, it got, it, it got the bug started. And then, and after that, my first really, you know, quote unquote, nice fly, you know, rod reel setup. I bought a, uh, it was a Sage DS, which is like a brown. I guess mm-hmm. they, they called them the Discovery. I think it was the Discovery series. Like they're low in a low end sage, and a pin international fly reel. I still have that reel, and mm-hmm. it's like if you look at that reel compared to, and the reel's not that old. It's only maybe thirty years old, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, I just dated myself. Thirty years old, man. I just turned. 40 I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so, but um, so 
it's like shaped weird. You know, it's like it's real wide. It's not like you know the new reels yeah. are you know, oh, large arbor and yeah. It's yeah, a, they so kind of look cool though. Like, oh, it's a cool. If reel. you hold on to that in about five years, they're gonna start making reels like that again. That's just how it works. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just to be retro and kind of cool. Yeah, it's slick. Know? I mean, it's a slick little reel, but that you know, it's kind of how the whole thing kind of. Um, you know, started from there and, um, you know, I, uh, you know, it's, it's such a great place to grow up fishing. I mean, it was, I'd ride my bike down the river and do our thing. It was funny. Uh, my mom didn't know about this story and my, my wife brought it up. I said her bridal shower. So I used to ride my bike down to the river and there used to be a holiday Inn at the end of us one and highway 50. I'll, I'll, you know, hide my bike. There was like a little hole in the mm-hmm. seawall and I'll climb through the hole in the seawall and tuck my bike in there. Well, down the way, there was a restaurant called Harold's. So it's now it's called New York, New York or something, but it's just a little mm-hmm. joint on the, on the water. And I'd wait, I'd have my little, my, my Indians baseball hat because of, you know, major league, you know, in the, you know, like the Charlie yeah. Sheen major league movie. I was like, and I played baseball. So I love that movie. So I had an Indians hat and I had all my lures hanging in my hat. So I had like a couple seven <laughs> M mirror lures and some crocodile spoons and a pocket full of Cody jigs or whatever I had. And that's probably what I was fishing, probably a crocodile spoon or, or, or a seven M mirror lure. Uh, or even like a devil's horse, but so I'd wade from the Holiday Inn down to to Harold's, and I'll trade Harold my trout for a cheeseburger. It, like it, like it. so I'll oh, wait every fantastic. yeah. So he'd either if he had time he would my, and my mom so this this is this is yeah. There's there's a good in, ending to the story. So I'd leave, I'd go down there. Harold would drive you know drive me back up to the Holiday Inn, either throw my bike in the back of his truck or drop me off if he had time. Mm-hmm. I'll, then I'll just ride my bike home. It's like a 15 minute bike ride you know kids wouldn't do that now driving down a, like a main highway on a yeah. bicycle with a fishing rod you know that you know it's just different time oh, but yeah. it's not even that long ago but it's just weird to think that but um so my mom didn't know that story so so <laughs> my wife brought like they said you did the thing like uh you know tell us something that you don't know about you know whoever so it was like so my mom my my mom pulled out my name so mm-hmm. of course that's gonna happen right so then Melissa told that story. He's like, yeah, Scott never told you this. Like, and I was do, I was do, I did it all the time because our, our, um, our neighbors, um, that lived across the street used to babysit us in the summertime when my mom would have to go to work. So mm-hmm. she worked out of the space center. She'd, so she'd leave work early. So Lisa would come over and, and watch us. Sometimes she would show up late. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, you know, I, like if I woke up and my mom left and she wasn't there, I'll, I'll sneak out of the house and ride my bike to the river. Mm-hmm. And I knew Lisa wasn't going to tell, wasn't going to say anything yeah, because yeah. it makes her, you know, she's late. So I was like, playing that game. Yeah. You kind of had a mutual, yeah. <laughs> a mutual blackmail. On yeah, other. exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I get a text from my mom. Uh, did I not feed you enough? I'm like, you know, what is this? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then she, that she sent me the whole dissertation about, you know, like, well, yeah. I, I heard you were going fishing so you could get cheeseburgers. Like she, she thought I was going fishing so I could get a cheeseburger. Not, yeah. I was going fishing cause I wanted to go fishing and <laughs> it just, I just happened to be able to get it. I worked a cheeseburger angle out of the whole thing. It was like, I had to go fishing cause I was hungry, but that's pretty was... innovative for a kid though. <laughs> I mean, you know, to be able to put that together, it's, it's basically a small business. And if the IRS hears this, they, oh, might, no, I, they I, might tax I, you for I was that. probably violating some, some fisheries rules or something, but, yeah. I, but all my fish were legal. They were right. all, I, they were definitely of size. Yeah. I don't know if no spawners, just, no spawners, you know, just, yeah. just Everything that everybody needs to hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got yeah. you. So. Um, and so for you, when did you decide, okay, you, you used to be a kid and ride down on a bike or John, but when did you decide, okay, I want to do this for my job? Oh, man. So, so I had my captain's license when I was in college in Tampa, and I thought that I was going to transport boats in the summertime. Like I thought of this idea that I was going to be able to do this and um, you know, had heard some stuff and it never really came to fruition. 
like just tr- transporting him, like yeah. driving him around. Yeah, like like yeah. hopping on and, yeah. and using my license to to help do boat transport, and it just never really um really happened. So I got my captain's license, and then um I came back to to Titusville and was you know just kind of hanging around the shop and you know talking to Frank and Liz and said you know I'm I'm thinking about doing this. This you know I'm kind of leading this way. I want to you know give it a shot and see what happens. And um we're like okay, you know, if, you know Frank's like. Okay. It sounds like a good idea, but this is what you need to do. I'm like, okay, what, what I need, what I do, I need to do Frank. And, and the people that know Frank Steele, like Frank is class act, super mm-hmm. class act, very detail oriented. But I mean, like we tie knots and you look at knots underneath the microscope and I'm not kidding you, like mm-hmm. make sure the knots had enough wraps and, and this and that. Wow. And he goes, um, well, first off, you know, I, I, I really want you to think about this, you know, um, you know, why do you want to do this? I want you to go home and think about why you want to, why do you want to be a fishing guide? And I also want you to write a history report. I want to know about some of the spots, you know, the historic places and why they're called this, hmm. you know, this and that. And I, I didn't understand it at, the, at that point in time. I didn't, I didn't understand why, why it needed to be done. I thought it was just, you know, Frank being Frank cause he, he's an old school guy collected old clocks and model T Fords. And I mean, he's like, you know, pretty, yeah. pretty neat guy. So, so I thought about it. Okay. So I'm going to do this and you know, I like to write and I like, you know, I like history. So I, I put some time into it. I actually thought about it. I'm like, so mm-hmm. well, you know, how can I, you know, how can I find the information that's, that's pertinent to, to the, to this report? Like what, you know, what do I need to ask? What are my questions? You know, um, where can I gather my information? So I went to the North of our historical society, mm-hmm. got an old map, mm-hmm. an old, old map of the Mosquito Lagoon and, and they had all the old names. So I started searching the old names of all the places and, and figuring out, you know, why this was called that and, and this and that. So I, I wrote my report. I was, I was proud of myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I go in and I hand it to Frank and he reads it and he goes, and his family's, you know, they're old school from, from the area. My, my, I'm from, I'm fifth generation native Floridian, but most of my family is from the middle part of the state and mm-hmm. in the Jacksonville area, not from Titusville. So he's like, you know, you taught me something you know, th- in this report. I didn't mm-hmm. understand. This is why, you know, Preacher's Island was called Preacher's Island and why Van Slough was called Van Slough and, and you know, how the name came about and, and all this and that. Like, I mean, that's, that's a story for another time, but, um, and then I asked him, like, so Frank, you know, what, why did you ask me to, to write this report? He goes, what if the fishing's slow? What are you going to talk about? Yeah. And then he told me a story about how, how he was, you know, fishing somewhere in Montana and he drift, drifted past a spot and there was a landmark there. And he didn't, he fished that spot 15 times and didn't understand what the landmark was, but he always wanted to know what that landmark was. And then he fished with a, a, a guide that knew what the landmark uh-huh. was. And it just, it made his, it made his whole trip. So I thought that was kind of, kind of neat. And, um, you know, I've kind of approached my, my guiding a little bit like, I don't know. I've, I, I've been doing this for 20 years. It doesn't seem like mm-hmm. it. I mean, I just had my 40th birthday, but I started when I was 20. And, um, you know, I, I control the things I can control, right? Mm-hmm. I can't control the weather. I can't control the fish. I can't control any of those things, but my boat's going to be in working order. I can work hard and my gear can be nice and I can be in a, a positive mood and, mm-hmm. and, and control those things. Um, but you know, the, the history thing really, it, it's, it, really it was important it struck it it struck something yeah. in me you know, you know to to make you know make the make the trip an experience right yeah you know it's not you know if you get too wrapped up in the fish you're missing a lot it's the it's the ing in fishing it's the it's the act of doing it it's the going it's the 
all of it, you know, just it, if you get, if you get wrapped up on how many fish you caught, how big they were, you're, 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 you're doing it for the wrong reason. In my opinion, yeah. I think that it's, yeah. it's about the experience and, um, you know, what you can, can get out of, out of the experience, not, you know, the grin and grab. Those are great. Yeah. It's cool to have a, have a, have a picture of you with a big fish or, you know, even a small fish it doesn't matter, but, um, it's the, it's the rest of it. And that's, I think people overlook a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's life in general though. Right. I mean, people get too, too wrapped up in the, the end goal or the, you know, how do I get to this or how that it's, it's the ride, man. It's, it's how you get there. And that's, yeah. um, you know, fishing's the same way. Well, that's, we did an interview with a guy up in Smoky Mountains. We were talking about fishing the Tuscasegee and, uh, you know, he was in Eugene Schuler and his podcast talking about the same thing about being able to talk about the history and show the history and how that adds so much value to someone's experience. And, you know, I remember being a kid and fishing and hunting with my dad. And I, when I was a kid, I just would love learning about all the different stuff. And to me, when I'm fishing with someone who's really knowledgeable in their area, it makes it such a greater, deeper, almost childlike experience yeah, yeah. in the sense that like you feel like, wow, this person's really cares about me understanding what is happening here in the history of this area. And I think too, you know, it's, it's funny that you said that cause, um, you know, it's neat that he cared enough to try to give you a little homework and get you really thinking through it. Um, and I bet you that the history probably gave you a greater appreciation for your fishery too. Oh, absolutely. And that, you know, I mean, I think it was also, it was, um, you know, with Frank, it was definitely, um, like, like I have more into it, I guess, like, uh, like I'm a little more vested, you know, vested value in, mm. in the, in, you know, being a quote unquote fishing guide, you know, like, you know, when I was, when I first started, there was, you know, not, not definitely not very many people fly fishing mm. in our area and, and very few people really light tackle mm. guiding. So um, it, it was a different place, but, um, you know, that's, I, I, I thought it was a valuable lesson. I really took a lot from that. Mm-hmm. So I try to, you know, depending, just even anything. And my, my wife gives me a hard time sometimes cause I'm a, I'm like yeah. geeky about trivial knowledge. I just know weird, weird stuff like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, weird yeah. Bullshit that nobody really yeah. needs to know, but I'll like, yeah, this is this or that. She just looks at me like, why do I care? You know, like, <laughs> you know, but, that's but, what wives are there for. <laughs> yeah. Keep you humble. <laughs> You know, well, one of the things like, you know, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to some guys, uh, and talking to CA Richardson and, um, also talking to a couple other, a couple other guys and, uh, Greg Deaney. And he was mm-hmm. like, man, you know, Scott's a fishy dude. Oh, and, oh man, that's, you know, uh, w- with you, you, something that kind of stood out to me, you're talking about, you can't control the weather. You can't necessarily control a lot of factors, but there are certain things that as a guide you can control. What, what, what are those things for you and how do you try to use that, uh, to put your clients on fish? I mean, like I said, my, I think the big thing is gear, having your gear like in order. Cause that's, that's all mechanical mm-hmm. stuff, right? Like you can have things maintained. You can have things, I mean, things happen, shit happens, mm-hmm. boats mm-hmm. and saltwater and, and what we do to the gear, it's not really conducive to, to keep it in mm-hmm. optimal working condition all the time. But, um, you know, I think that, in, you know, working hard, you know, I, I kind of get some fault sometimes. I get, I, I, I lose track of time sometimes when I'm out there. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I, oh, eight hours, it's time to, you know, reel it up and roll in. I Sometimes I, I've, I'm i out there and I feel like something's getting ready to happen or, you know, like like I need to push just 10 minutes longer and then it turns into an hour longer and mm-hmm. then I'm home late for dinner or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And, you know, I, I, I think the things that, 
that I, that I, I can control how hard I work and I, yeah. and I will do that. I will pull my butt off. I will, I'll spend as much time as I, you know, that I physically can do to, mm-hmm. to make it happen. But, um, I'm trying to think how to really answer that. Um, I don't know. I know Cause when but, I hear someone say fishy, I usually think some sort of intuition, but I don't know that's the case. I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I have some, you know, innate magical fish radar or sonar or anything that's just built yeah. into me that I, that I have this thing, but I don't know. It's, I, I appreciate the compliment. I mean, I guess, you know, have another great fisherman call you fishy is a good compliment, yeah. but I, I don't know if I would go that far with it. I, think I mean, what, what about, so, you know, talking about hard work, every guide I've sat down with would claim to be a hard worker, yeah. but I mean, what does that look like when, when it comes to, um, you know, inshore fishing and, you know, there's, how do you tile that? Well, I'll say mo- if, if mo- most guides that have been guiding for, for more than 10 years, that they, they have some kind of hard work ethic because they've made it that long. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not an easy business. I don't care. Any, anybody can tell you that, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a business. It's a, it's a hard work business. We're, it's, we're, we're skilled physical laborers. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not anything special. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, that's, that's what we are as, as a fishing guide. You're a skilled physical laborer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of rambling now with this, but, um, I'm sorry. I lost track of where I was going with Skilled that. physical laborers. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. us, you know, I mean, um, but I think that if, if you've, if you've lasted that, that 10 year mark, mm-hmm. you can probably make it work. Um, cause it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not an easy gig, you know, yeah. if, to, to build your reputation. I mean, I'm. Like I'm kind of in that weird time frame, right? So like I had to work through a shop to get referrals, you know, and the mm-hmm. same thing with like other fishing guides, getting getting your name out. I mean, it was before this is when we still put I mean, I'm not that old, dude. I'm forty, right? Mm-hmm. It seemed like yeah. eons ago, right? Like, you know, you'd you'd have in your I had telephone book advertisement. Mm-hmm. Does anybody even own a telephone book anymore? I mean, I mean, like we had like the our fishing. names in the telephone book, like fishing charters and name listed underneath it, yeah. and you know all that stuff. I mean, actually, Al Keller was talking about he used to run around. That's a mutual friend would run around and like do these overhead projector, you know, oh yeah, you know, demonstrations. And but that's the thing with hard work that I think about is you know you're saying you last ten years. The other thing is if you spend ten years working hard on the water, I mean. Oh, it's, yeah. you're probably going to be pretty fishy. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just time. <laughs> It'd be yeah. kind of hard. No, it's yeah, time on the water. And I, like, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you know, like I was listening to some of the other, uh, other podcasts, you know, the changes in technology with Google, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, Google earth and all the different mapping stuff that we have on our GPSs. Um, you know, one of the things I did one summer, um, which I had, I had, I had pretty, I mean, I had, I had pretty cool, like, like high school age. Right. So my, 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 uh, my best friend Mike and I used to commercially pompano fish off the Titusville Bridge with jigs. I mean, he had an mm-hmm. RS license. We used to, I, so I did that for my summer job. I'd go, go flats fishing in the morning and then do that. But I had old charts, like before we had, you know, like a standard, mm-hmm. not even like just like, a, like a, an OAA chart of, you know, navigation chart in the Mosquito Lagoon. So one of my summers, I decided, I'm like, I'm going to pull the entire, entire Mosquito Lagoon. I'm gonna mm-hmm. mark every hole. I, I did. I had. I've, I've got that chart somewhere where I marked everything yeah. on the chart, like f- wrote it out, like hole here. Yeah. You know, like I like jump up on this where I could hop up the boat on a plane, or I could, you know, you know, just just the topography. You know, the, the how the bottom changed because it's not. It's a. It's not a big place, but it's. 
big enough to pull the entire perimeter. I mean, it took me a full two months of almost every day doing it. Um, you know, you know, I'd stop at the same spot, you know, depending on the wind direction because I'd let the wind help me. I wasn't really, I wasn't fishing. I mean, I was pulling and looking and making notes and just looking at stuff. I didn't fish at all. But, um, I don't know, like the, the, the fishiness thing. I mean, some people have it. I, I don't, I don't say that I would have it. Um, Mm. you know, I mean, I, I work hard. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I have that, that innate thing that's going to just happen. You know, like I'm just going to stumble into something that usually doesn't happen for me, but it's, I think it's more the, the hard work thing that, that makes, you know, makes it, you put enough time in and mm-hmm. think about it a little bit. It can, it happens, but, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a good game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's the best game. I think. You know? I like the idea of pulling around and setting a, a fun goal of, it, it kind of reminds me when people are like, I'm going to hike the whole, you know, trail or, That's I'm awesome. gonna, yeah. you know, whatever. But to me, I think it's really neat because you can look at Google Earth, you can, you know, buy a card or whatever, but you can't necessarily really see how the fish are interacting with the areas and you can't, you you might think, you know, but it's not ever that, that simple. No. But that's a cool idea to say, okay, no matter what, if you fish for redfish or even if you're an offshore guy, you know, that there's a discipline also in pushing yourself outside of what you know. And that was something that even David Mangum was talking about when he scouts uh, for tarpon that he, it, it's hard when you have an off day to not go to where, you yeah. know, you know, to force yourself to get outside the box and to go somewhere new and to realize that you might pull some really sucky areas too. And only to learn that that's not somewhere that you want to take a client. It's, you know, not have, doesn't have what you're looking for. It could also be the other way where you go and you look at it. And I mean, usually when like a scout days, it's, it's, it seems like, you know, when I, when I like do a scout day, it's not, I'm not going somewhere to, to see if there's fish there then. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you go and scout it and you'll, you'll understand what, you know, what the bottom's like or, you know, or, you know, whatever it is that like, okay, this spot should work on mm-hmm. this. I haven't, it's not working right now, but there's something there that will cause, you mm-hmm. know, if the water's lower or, high, or higher or whatever, that's mm-hmm. going to make this work. Right. And that's, and it's hard too. like the, you know, scout days, like, you know, you get to, you know, busy guides. We don't have time. Mm-hmm. I have, I don't have any time. I hardly have any time to scout. And if I don't, if I have a day off, I'm fixing boats or, or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, be, being domestic, you know, yeah. fix stuff around the house. But, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, we get into, you know, all the guy, every, I mean, I'm sure every guide says the same thing. You get into, we, you become a fishing guy because you love fishing. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a job and then you have to treat it like a job or, or business. It's, a, it's mm-hmm. really a business, but, um, you, you know, you strive to get busy, right? Mm-hmm. Like get that magic number of how many, how many trips do I want to run this year? And then you mm-hmm. finally get to that point and then you're like, I don't get to go fishing anymore. Cause I'm, I'm working every day, you know? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's tricky. It's yeah. tricky, tricky balance. Talk, talk me through an ideal scouting day from start to finish. You know, let's say that you're teaching me, I, I call you on the phone and I say, I want to learn how to scout. Well, like give me the full rundown of, of how you would do it. Um, well, you have to have an approach, right? So I would, and there's, there's certain things I always look at. Um, you know, air temperature is important, you know, time of year, wind direction. Um, where do you think the water is going to be clear? Mm-hmm. Especially for sight fishing, that's like imperative number one. Um, and then, you know, how, how things are going to set up throughout the day. Like where, you know, where, how's my light angle going to change? Like, so like this time of year, it's winter time, you know, the, the sun is way south right now. Right. So it's kind of low in the horizon, almost, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the best lights from like 
really from maybe 1030 to two at the mm-hmm. latest right now. Mm-hmm. So we started to think about where, you know, okay, you know, where should, like, if I was going to scout this time of year, like, it's, you know, like, say, Mesquite Lagoon, it's going to be different than Louisiana because Louisiana is a whole another different type of fishery. But I would try to think of where, you know, where, you know, where the fish going to hold early and then where are they going to move to when the water warms up? So, mm-hmm. you know, and then you got to kind of just, you know, okay, the wind's in directions, this or that. So you have to have a, an approach, um, you know, think, think about those things, but then also kind of just feel it a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and we're back to the whole fishy thing, but yeah, like, like, I don't know. Like sometimes you just do feel like I, I got it. I want to go check this. This just seems like it might set up right. And then you mm-hmm. go look at it and, you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But that's all the, you know, you, you hear athletes talk about that or a multitude of different disciplines where they've been doing something for a long time that their brain is calculating things that they're not consciously processing that just comes from, you know, when I felt the air like this temperature and there was overcast and I saw, and then all of a sudden sometimes your your brain is doing things that you're not even fully registering what's happening. You know, one of the things that can be overwhelming I think is, you know, you get all these apps now and all these websites and there's a lot of different ways that you could try to take all this data and pull it together. And it seems like it can get really over complicated. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, you can definitely overthink it and that's, you know, um, you know, I was listening to, I think, you know, your, the podcast with, with, with Bo Basso mm-hmm. and, you know, I've, I've you know, Bo's Bo is fishy. Don't mm-hmm. he is fishy. I'll I'll, I'll tell him right now he's fishy to his mm-hmm. face, and he would not admit it too. But he is. But um, you know he was talking about the scout scout days too. But when it comes to um, you know like com- com- you know compiling all that the data that you can you can get right, mm-hmm. fish still have tails, their own little brains, and free will. They can do what whatever they want whenever they want to, yeah. however they want to. Um, all we can do is guess the pattern right so they kind of they should be doing this but most of the time they're not going to do what you think they should be doing so do you track it I've, I've been asking everyone this and i have yet to have a great answer no no, no. okay because because uh you know i've heard about guys that have written journals and a lot of people start stuff up and it's just hard to maintain it because you just the truth be told you're too busy you're too busy and you don't want to you really don't feel like putting all that stuff on paper and everything and everything's changing. Um, but that's something that's really interesting to me is, okay, I don't want to miss something that's key. You know, like if a key factor is, you know, thinking through the, where the light's going to be obviously, or checking the wind. I use, um, wind finder app. Yeah. I like that app. Um, you know, those are some things that like, okay, of course. Right. And then you can get a barometric pressure. I mean, what do you think? You can't control that. You can't control it, but so I mean, what is it? So what does it matter? Well, so I, I'll, I'll definitely so. Um, sea trout like mm-hmm. weather changes. I like pressure change, especially a falling barometer. Um, redfish like stable weather. So if it's if you have a stable barometer for multiple days, you know redfish will they like they like stable weather. They don't they're not yeah. big on changes. Are you, are you looking at that every day? Not really. I mean, yeah. I don't. You know what I follow? What I do follow, especially in the wintertime, is is water temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, so water temperature will make a big difference on what they do or don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even, I mean, sometimes, um, you know, on a, like if you get the bottom, you know, some, you know, sometimes, you know, places we fish in Louisiana where you get that bottom half of the fall midday, 
the water will be warm, shallow, but it's when it comes in, it starts to get cold again. So the fish will leave. Like mm-hmm. you think that, oh, the water's creeping up. It should warm up, but it's not, not yeah. so right. That cold, cause the water's cold deep and it's pushing that cold water back in. But then you you can think about other places that, that, you know, might not be affected by the tide that same way. Mm-hmm. You know, that, 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 that's a, that's a pretty, um, you know, definite, definite change. There. What does scouting look like when you have a client on the boat? So it depends on who you have, man. So I, <laughs> someday, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, so, so, you know, sometimes you're able to, 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 to take that gamble, right? Mm-hmm. If I have somebody's fish with me multiple times, I'm going to, I can take more of a risk, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause sometimes you get that new, you know, that new guy on the boat or gal and the, the expectation level is it's higher, right? They don't know mm-hmm. what to expect. You, you, you know, some people, you know, probably let's say, um, you know, 80% of my clients, um, are, are repeats and uh they uh you know that they've they officially multiple times you know we've got a visitor we got a visitor my three-year-old just walked out here what do you want to say uh, uh, i have a babysitter and and i love her you love your babysitter so, <laughs> she has oh, a baby, baby sister, sister. <laughs> baby sister yeah you do what's, what's, your, your, what's your favorite fish um tarpon that's that's a good answer. What color is your boat? I'm pink. Wow. <laughs> All right, I love you. I'm not talking about the size. <laughs> well, Mr. Scott's talking. <laughs> Can you be quiet? Okay. <laughs> so, um, I guess uh, we're, we're scout days, right? Scout days and working with clients where. Okay. Oh yeah. So, so new, so yeah. So I guess when it comes to like the, the scout thing, right. It just depends on, on who you have. Right. So, um, and if I'm fishing somebody three or four days, so the more days you have, the more mm-hmm. risk you can take. Right. Cause you don't have that. You're not condensed to, to be successful in one or two days. Right. Especially if it's somebody that's new, but you know, if I have somebody that's fishing me for years and years, you could take more of a risk when it comes to comes to that, but it's hard. You know, I'll, a lot of times I'll I'll throw it out to people. Hey, mm-hmm. you, guys, you guys want to gamble today? You want to take a risk? I like that. Yeah, just <laughs> go ahead and narrate what's happening. Be yeah. honest. I, I tell them I look, this is what I think could happen or couldn't happen. You know, we did this yesterday. We knew this worked, but you guys want to go just try something else? And some some guys are like, you know, f yeah, let's go for it. You know, and then some guys are you know they don't want to. Um, you know, risk their experience when it comes to the, to the gamble. They feel like that they, they go and catch a few and, you know, they're okay with that instead of, you know, taking the, the gamble that they can maybe go you know, really rail on them. So. <laughs> All right, hold on. I'll, I'll help transition. <laughs> Let me go back So what does the difference look like if you're scouting by yourself? And if you're scouting with a client who's like, yeah, let's do this today. I'm excited. So, yeah. So if, if I'm scouting by myself, honestly, a lot, a lot of times I'll, just, I'll drive around a lot and I'll stop and just, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm not going to really fish hard, but I'm going to look, you know, I'm like yeah. really going to look at stuff. You know, I might stop somewhere for 10 minutes. Sometimes it's just trying to figure out what the water clarity is doing or, excuse me, uh, what, you know, what the water clarity is doing, what, where the bait's sitting at. Um, those kinds of things. But, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I'm with a client, like if, like if I'm going to go somewhere I have either haven't been for a while or have n- never been, which I mean, at home, you know, in the Ski Lagoon, Indian River, Banana River, there, there's mm-hmm. pretty much nowhere that I haven't been at least once and kind of understand how it sets up. But, 
You know, Louisiana is a whole different animal because it's so big, right? Um, and I don't care what anybody says. You can't fish every spot in that place because it's so big. I mean, it's, yeah. I don't know how many times larger than the Everglades it is. I mean, it's huge. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll do a lot of running around just like kind of like, you know, like looking like it might be like understand like I'll look at something like, you know, I want to try to get into this spot. But, you know, how can I come in on this wind direction? Can I come through this creek or that creek or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. You're just trying to figure. You hold you know, it in your head. I mean, hold the info in your head or yeah, annotate yeah. it on your GPS. Or I mean, if I'm running around, my, I'll run a track line sometimes on my GPS. But most time, honestly, I don't run a track line because, yeah. you know. I'm kind of weird about that. I mean, some think people will kind of look at our stuff or like, you know, of course, I love when guys pull out their Garmin watches with their GPSs running or their spots and stuff. But, you know, honestly, most of them are like worried yeah. about it because they're never going to go back there anyways. And, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's not the, that's another thing. I mean, it, people get wrapped up on spots. Mm-hmm. It's not the spot. It's the why. Why is that spot working? It's not like, oh, every time I come to this spot, I catch this fish or, you know, it's yeah. not how it works. It's, See, it's, I like asking that question when I'm with a guide is, hey, like they'll, when I can see the wheels turning, yeah. hey, what are you thinking through? Yeah. I don't want to take your spot. I don't care about taking your spot. I'm, you know, but what's good? What are you looking at? Okay, this is what I'm thinking and this is the approach and this is what happened yesterday. And I think a lot of smart clients who are really good fishermen, they, they want to know the why and they have zero interest in ever stealing. The oh layer. yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, I've only, I've only had that happen maybe a handful of times in, yeah. in my 20 years where I've like fished somebody and then the next day I've seen them exactly where I was fishing yeah. in their own boats. And that's, and that usually does, that usually doesn't go, go over too well. I'm just going to throw mm-hmm. that out there. I mean, I don't care. No, no fishing guy would be happy with that happening, but for sure. Um, and a lot of people treat locals a little bit differently. They're, they're just going to do some different, go to some different places. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you're going to guard things a little bit more if, if somebody's local, but, um, you know, so I really don't, yeah, it's not like, uh, like we were talking about, you know, a little bit, I guess before the, the you know, like the, the fishy thing, right. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we, this, you have a, th- your brain is kind of like, you know, after doing what we've been doing for the, the amount of time, I mean, pretty much everybody they've had on the podcast, everybody's been guiding for a, a mm-hmm. long time. They're all established and we're all kind of the same. We're off. We were talking about this. Mm-hmm. When we're having lunch that, that, you know, I have a hard time focusing when I know the weather's good. I'm not, I'm at home. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm talking to my wife and she'll catch me like, like I'm daydreaming. Missing. Yeah. Daydreaming. What's wrong? You know, this and that. And they'll be like, oh, all you can think about is fish or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not, we're not doing it on purpose. It's just, you know, we're a machine, we're a robot, we're a fishing robot. And, mm-hmm. you know, the information comes in and we compute it. And, and, you know, that just happens innately. You're like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. my, you know, my azaleas are blooming out front, you know, it should be, you know, cobia time or, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, this should be happening. This dog's oh, big, big sea trout time. That's when right? you know you have it bad when you're <laughs> equating like different seasons to here in Tallahassee in our area. I don't, I don't go to football games hardly ever. Right. And I love football game days because it means it's, there's literally going to be less pressure on the water because yeah. more people during the fall are at home. If, if you're fishing a Saturday, yeah. uh, you're like, man, this just bake, makes Saturdays almost like a Thursday or a Wednesday, you know? So it's like, that's when you know you have it bad when you start taking regular, uh, things that are happening around you and you start to associate them mentally with things happening on, you know? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And it's, and uh, it, you know, it's, you can't, it's, you can't unplug it. It's mm-hmm. it's just so weird. It's not, I don't know how to, 
to explain it unless you have it, you know, it's not, I get that with different seasons though. Like with, uh, deer hunting, you know, happens, happens and you just start thinking about the conditions and temperature changes and when the rut is and all that. And it, it you know, my daughter was born when the rut started, <laughs> right. you know, and you're <laughs> like, you're in the, you're in the hospital, you're smiling, you know, you're like, ah. <laughs> and you're like, and it's like really cold outside and you're like, Oh, you know, yeah. and I, I had to do a few things that, you know, even the day after she was, uh, she was born, I went to pull some trail cam photos just to <laughs> alleviate my curiosity. But, uh, all right. Are you ready to talk a little bit about food? Yeah, let's do it. So we were talking about this. We have a new segment in the show brought to you by Traeger Grills. Yeah. A little plug there. Good stuff. And, good stuff. uh, you know, but talking to you about the food that captains enjoy and, uh, you know, I know that you're really into to cooking and you yeah, talked yeah. about, you used to take some classes and I mean, that's when, that's not casual when you start doing all no, that. No, no. Yeah. So yeah, we're into that stuff for a while, but, um, you know, I, I like to cook. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's kind of like fishing a little bit, right? You know, like I, I like details when it comes mm-hmm. to like little, the little things that can change, you know, make a big change on mm-hmm. stuff. And, and cooking is definitely that. And, um, you know, something my wife and I really, you know, that's like, like, like kind of one of our, our bonding things we do because yeah. we can, you know, we get in the kitchen together, open a bottle of the wine. We can share some wine and maybe a martini. What type of wine? Oh man. All of it. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, depends. The liquid kind. Yeah. The liquid kind. So no, we, <laughs> we, um, you know, we drink a lot of, um, you know, more reds than anything, like yeah. you know, but we drink, we, we eat a lot of seafood and chicken and we'll drink whites with that. But, yeah. um, I never know. Like I like all red wine. Yeah. I like, um, Merlot's and calves, but yeah. I don't know, like, I know nothing about wine. I yeah. like it, oh, it's, but I'm like, <laughs> well, it's like a whole I other, just, I can't even pronounce half of the restaurants. Oh but, yeah, yeah. It's a whole, that's a whole, it's a whole nother That's thing. a rabbit hole. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Like our, our little game is we like to go to, uh, we go to total wine and, and, um, you know, find things that are like less than less than $14, but mm-hmm. higher than 90 points on wine spectator. So okay. you can find some super values and depending on where they're from. I mean, we, you know, we drink a lot of Bordeaux and See, French wines because you can find good deals on them. They're good, really good wines and they're, they're, they're not overly expensive. That's so much smarter than going somewhere and looking at the, the labels, yeah. which is what I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, like, I'm like, how do, yeah, how do I feel about this being represented in my home? Like, yeah, what's yeah. this, a, a pilgrim on a riding horseback with yeah. the flames? You Perfect. Know? I, I feel that. great about this being on my countertop. I yeah. want that shirt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Trademark. Um, what's your favorite thing to cook? Uh, I mean, we like, to, uh, I like to cook whole fish, like, you mm-hmm. know, whole roasted fish or seared fish. Um, is there a certain species? That, pompano. All right. Talk I me through it. I, pompano. I love pompano. So, Talk me through it. Yeah. So, I mean, the first, you know, first get them, catch them fresh. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I usually, you know, gill them and gut them, keep the head on, t- mm-hmm. you know, I'll cut the tail off and, um, I'll, I'll show you some pictures later, but then okay. I'll take them and I score them. So just, we'll put the pictures for this. We'll yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. um, so, and, um, so you score them and I, I like to, you know, pompano is pretty mild. So yeah. I mean, it's got, a, there's not, there's not another fish that tastes like a pompano except for pompano. It's just yeah. so buttery and rich and it's, mm-hmm. it's just what it is. Um, so I'll score it. And um, I'll rub it with olive oil, and mm-hmm. I'll put like um, what I like to use is just plain old Everglades seasoning. Okay. And you know, how generous do you? Pretty generous, because yeah. um, you know, because a lot of it's gonna, it's a lot of it's gonna cook off, but then I'll, mm-hmm. I'll actually rub it into the score, so it pushes mm-hmm. down the, into the meat a little bit. And we have a, uh, we have an herb garden on our patio, and um, uh, I have a plant called lemon balm, which you don't see that very often around here. Sometimes like, like they mm-hmm. use it in Thai food a lot, um, but it looks like almost like mint leaves, but it's it's like lemony. I mean, it's like 
super citrusy. So I'll actually okay. stuff the gut cavity of the pompano with that because you need some moisture. Yeah. Because you know it's thick. So if it's a whole fish, it's it's thick, so it's hard to to cook it right. So then I'll take it and get my cast iron. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take some bacon, some bacon fat, get it kind of hot where it's just starting to smoke a little bit. I'll sear both sides of it and I'll throw it in the oven at 350 for about 20 minutes after that. So it cooks all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you, can, you can cook them whole on the grill too like that, but it's tricky to get the temperature right, especially around the backbone because it's thicker. Like you'll get like, like you either dry the outside of it out and then the inside, you know, or in the inside will be cooked all the way the right mm-hmm. way or you'll cook it where the outside's cooked and they'll be like kind of mm-hmm. undercooked on the inside so i like to I like to sear it off and, and throw it in the oven that way and it's real it's it's really good especially the the bottom part of the fish that's been rendering in that bacon fat for the oh, whole, the whole grill, dude. it's so good it's so it's so good but you know um you know, we like to do we do a lot of that um i'm into using the sous vide um i really really yeah. dig that pork chops out of the sous vide are awesome um and of course like like any big piece of meat you'll cook for a long time is good in the sous vide. Yeah. And I told you, like, I like to, you know, and it works really well with Traeger's. It's, it's like you can cook it slow and low. And then I have a Burns-O-Matic and I'll just torch it, literally, yep. literally yep. torch it. You know, and we were talking about that kind of helps the wives not be so upset on like dropping something hot in a cast iron inside because oh, yeah. I have to take all my smoke detectors down <laughs> if I do that. But I, I love searing stuff that way. I mean, blackened redfish is one of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite dishes. And, um, you know, just if I want to get something really hot sometimes too, I'll just, you know, a lot of guys that use the Brunzo Maddox sous vide, you yep. know, I've done sous vide steaks, reverse sear yep. is really, really good. Um, so I think that's one thing that'd be awesome in the trigger is like doing like a low, like a low smoke like a cold smoke and then reverse searing stuff oh yeah see reverse sear is definitely my favorite way to do it because you get it's like it's all the way across the same temp you know versus like the regular sear it's going to be like rainbowed in yep and you know some people like that but i i just think there's nothing like reverse searing it and then with steaks i'm just a salt and pepper guy and i'm I'm like that with a lot of fish but i'm gonna try the everglade seasoning on the pompano i'm gonna try that recipe it's good i mean it's just yeah it's it's light i mean it's uh I mean, it's just, I don't know, pompano is like one of those things you don't, we see it every once. So I, I can get it in my market pretty regularly because mm-hmm. we have a lot of pompano on the beaches. You guys have them a lot here though. Too. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have great pompano. Right? Um, but, uh, you know, they're just so good. To eat. Can, yeah. And I mean, obviously they're better fresh, but mm-hmm. you know, if you have to freeze them, I mean, you got any tips on anything like that? I mean, if I'm going to freeze them on flam, I don't, I don't think yeah. they'll freeze right whole. I don't think so either. Um, yeah. But you know, I try not to freeze much. I've never, I, I honestly, I don't think I've ever frozen pompano. Yeah. Um, it's pompano is excellent fried too, by the way. Oh yeah. I've had that. It's I super mean, good. when we get into pompano up here, I mean, there's no kind of getting into pompano. I mean, we get into them, you know, yeah. um, and frying, frying a big batch of them. But you know, it's, uh, that's one of the things I'm trying to figure out is like for some of the fish I really love, I'm trying to figure out how to freeze it and, you know, not be the guy that like freezes it and then forgets it. Yeah. And, that's you know, a hard like, part. I think, yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's one thing like, you know, like, you know, you know, at home, I mean, in Louisiana, probably 99% of my clients are strictly fly, you know, at home in the Mesquite Lagoon, it's probably 70, 30, 70% fly, 30% spin. And, you know, in, in the old days we could have guys or, you know, keep some fish and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't do that anymore. I don't feel comfortable, you know, because the resource is a little mm-hmm. bit pressured. Um, but you know, that's like one of those things that, you know, guys, will go, oh, we want to keep a mess of fish or you know or, or this or that i'm like well, I'm, I'm not the right guy because i'm not gonna mm-hmm. we're not gonna kill everything we catch you know limit mm-hmm. you know limit your catch not catch your limit or kill your limit you know it's take what you can to eat a meal or two mm-hmm. um you know certain things I mean, if you're fishing offshore i mean you can't you know if you 
if you catch a, a 40 pound cobia, you catch a 40 pound cobia, you can't eat 20 pounds of meat in one night, you know? Yeah, so yeah. you have that stuff, like stuff like that you can freeze, but, um, you know, I'm not really big on, on freezing stuff sure. either. Well, that goes back to, I think with certain fisheries, certain species, certain yeah. sizes, yeah. whatever's going on, just educating people mm-hmm. with, um, why you care about the resource, how that particular species of fish or, you know, it just depends in, instead of one of the things that, you know, we were talking about infighting and, you know, infighting is where, you know, a group of people who should be united and doesn't mean that there's never disagreements, but we have a, a common deal where, you yeah. know, even the guy who keeps the fish still cares about the resource. It just thinks differently or yeah. maybe doesn't, you know, maybe doesn't have the same information, maybe doesn't have fill in the blank. Um, but to me, you know, you and I were talking about, um, you know, we can't have, we can't have that kind of infighting. We have to respectfully have those conversations. I mean, and and it comes down to education and giving each other respect and dialogue and, and understanding that every fishery is a little bit different. They're all different. And that's the thing. I mean, I think like, so, you know, I, even Louisiana, I've been, you know, I've been going there for, we haven't, I don't have any idea. It's either, it's more between 10 and 12 years or I don't, I don't know. It's, it's been over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've been with my wife for 10 years and I was going there before I was with her. So it's before mm-hmm. that. So my, my might be 13 or 14 years. I have no idea. So, you know, come in there and, you know, we've, we've kind of, I've been there long enough to where it's, you know, I got accepted a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but still looked out as an outsider cause you're not from Louisiana. There's definitely mm-hmm. that kind of, uh, um, you know, the uh, accent gives it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, um, you know, you get that, there's definitely a little bit of, of, of that, you know, where there's, you know, you get looked at because differently, but I talk to guys out there and they think that it's a limitless resource, right? That mm-hmm. they can keep what they, everything, kill everything. And I've seen that fishery. It's, it's still phenomenal, but there's a decline. Mm-hmm. And I've seen one of probably the second, you know, when I first started guiding, um, you know, in the, in the early 2000s, even till about 2010, I would, mm-hmm. I would have put the, our fishing in the Mesquite Lagoon and Indian river up against any other red fishery anywhere, um, besides Louisiana, like, mm-hmm. and still we had some stuff that was pretty close on par and I've seen a total collapse there mm-hmm. and it's, it's happening there. It's, 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 there's, they're at a precipice now where they're going to see it in the, in the next five years, there's going to be a, a big decline. And it's like, you don't want to say I told you so, but mm-hmm. it's like you want to ha- be able to have the like. So we're talking about having those conversations where you know, guys, you need to really look at some of the stuff and some of the outfitters. Um, you know, they're they're taking their own actions where they're limiting the amount of fish that their clients can keep. And all you, we're only going to keep three redfish instead of five. We mm-hmm. keep ten trout instead of twenty per person, mm-hmm. which is you know it's crazy. When you start saying. 20 trout per person or five redfish mm-hmm. per person. We're getting, they're getting ready to drop our sea trout limit in central Florida to two sea trout per person between 15 and 19 inches where you can keep one per vessel over 19 inches between 19 and mm-hmm. I think 24 inches, I think mm-hmm. so, which is good. It needs to happen. Yeah. But, um, you know, that whole, you know, that the being able to, to speak to one another and it's, you know, that's, that, that's, that's just not even does this, yeah. this a whole nother conversation we go into. That's not even, doesn't even revolve around fishing. It's just like yeah. in life in general, people well, don't yeah. have discussions anymore. It's either you're, you're on the left or the right. There's no in between, there's no gray area or, you know, there's, there's none of that. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a whole another can of worms that yeah. we, we could talk about that for 10 more podcasts. If we don't get philosophical debates, but, um, 
you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I do think that people are starting to, even people who have disagreements are starting to see that, you know, social media and the internet and television shows, podcasts can help people understand that every fishery is different it is. and it's your responsibility when you go into a fishery to be understanding of what the resource is, what the resource is and not to, it's, it's, it's human nature to, we want what's easiest. We're, yeah. we're going to take the path of least resistance. And so give me one principle, one idea, you know, and then I'll, I'll transpose it onto everything versus no, let me try to actually, and it goes back to like every guide I've met. That's a good guide has a deep desire to have understanding about yes. what's yeah. happening, the health of it, everything. And, and saying, look, I'm, I'm going to actually treat every single fishery as its own unique resource yeah. and try to really learn it. And some of the mentality things, you know, we should respect it. We should want to make sure that we're doing a good job with, uh, managing it, population, clean water, all of that. But, you know, I, I do think that there's some improvement and, and you're seeing more and more uh, people step up for that. Oh, I definitely think so. I mean, I think that, you know, there's definitely, I think there's more voice now when it comes mm-hmm. to a lot of that. Um, because, you know, like, you know, the, you know, the social media animal mm-hmm. that, you know, we love and hate. There are certain things that it's, I think it's, you know, it's definitely a good tool to spread, to spread message in the right mm-hmm. way. Um, but also keeps people connected on, on, you know, you know, everybody's connected on, especially, you know, like all the water quality movements, especially mm-hmm. here in Florida that we're having, uh, you know, they're dealing with some, some, some major issues in Louisiana where mm-hmm. they're going to put diversions in, where they're going to actually cut the Mississippi river open and allow fresh water to flow into the marsh. And it's, it, there, there's so many sides to it. I mean, we, yeah. you know, pretty good, you know, I guess my partner, Nick and I have become pretty good friends with people that own a restaurant up the way that, you know, they're, they're oystermen. And as soon as they do that, it's going to kill their oyster Gosh, fishers. Yeah. Maybe without, they're going to, they're going to not going to have a livelihood anymore. But it's. And like, I mean, you have Apachicola that's yeah. having water quality issues yeah. and has had that. And I mean, you and I are talking at lunch. You know, JT came on. He was talking about some issues they have mm-hmm. in Texas. It's so much that even with people in the industry, it's almost impossible to track it all. Yeah, because it's you know it's unfortunate. It's like you know it's, it's regional. There's it's regional. You know it's. The, the voice is regional, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you know, you get the, it's the information kind of stays in the region unless mm-hmm. it's something really big, right? Like, you know, like the Bristol Bay, you know, the Pebble Mine, like that kind of stuff. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a, everybody knows about that. Um, but you know, like the stuff that's happening, you know, in my home waters, Mosquito Lagoon, people don't know about that. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't, you know, in the, in the Indian River, Banana River area with the brown tide that's, it's gone pretty much except for it's killed all of our seagrass. I bet mm-hmm. we've lost 90 nine percent of our seagrass in mosquito lagoon mm-hmm. it looks like the surface of the moon it's it is sickening yeah. like it's it's nauseating and i had a great conversation with justin price about how reciprocal and how like you can get in these these kind of downward spirals and it's one thing leads to the next thing that feeds it back and you oh, get yeah. in these these loops um if you're good man i'd love to do some rapid fire questions oh, to you. Yeah, whatever you want to do man so Outside of flip palette, like from a, a local sense, what was the most shaping influence in your life when it came to the guide that you are today? Oh man, that's that, that's a hard one. Um, I mean, I'm gonna go off of it a little bit different. I'm gonna go to you know not like the fishing influence, but I'll go to my parents. My mm-hmm. um, you know, my dad was an iron worker, so he was tough. He was a, mm-hmm. a, a soft guy, but just tough, like mm-hmm. physically tough. You know, like hard worker. Um, so I think I, I got that, that, you know, but super smart. Mm-hmm. He could have 
like, he should have been an engineer. I mean, guys like he can build anything. He's a super bright guy. And then my mom, you know, had a super hard work ethic too. So I got, I got hard work ethic from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and just kind of, it's just different. They're, you know, they're from that, they're kind of, you know, that, that hippie age yeah. frame, you know, but they're not, they're not like that, but they also, you know, instilled a, a big sense of, mm-hmm. you know, in, environmental concern and, and, and those things. But, um, if I had to go on the fishing side of it, you know, just, I mean, just watch and flip. I mean, mm-hmm. I know everybody says that, but you know, you know, flip kind of brought to light the, you know, that shallow water, you know, sight fishing of course, you know, Frank mm-hmm. and Liz Steele that own the fly fishermen. Um, you know, all the interactions I had through that shop. Um, mm-hmm. you know, my partner, Nick Sasek and I met, mm-hmm. we met in the fly shop. He's, I mean, he's, he's like my brother. He's my best friend. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we used to fit, you know, we don't get to fish as much as we used to because mm-hmm. we're just busy, but you know, we spend a lot of time just going and, and fishing. Um, just, just the whole interaction, the whole, the whole shop thing. Just, it was just, it was just a different mm-hmm. vibe. You don't have like that kind of stuff anymore where you have like a, a, a centralized meeting location where, you know, you meet up and, and, chat about stuff like that because it's just it's just things have changed a lot you know? now you have the internet you have the internet or yeah, it's yeah. a terrible place to have yeah. conversations yeah it's yeah. not yeah, it's not face-to-face you know it's not it's it's you know it's it's not organic you know it's mm-hmm. not well, the same so a lot of times i come through and i ask favorite this favorite that yeah can i do some least favorites sure all right what's your least favorite part of being a guide mm. i would say mechanical things like dealing with yeah. broken stuff like like you get a day off, right? And you're like, oh man, like, like so, like this week I had, you know, I was dealing with some trailer issues. Like I had to do my bearings on my trailer mm-hmm. and had some other problems, and you know, working on that and working on this, like the 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 no downtime, I guess. But it's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's anybody that has a self that they're self employed that has their own business. There's, there, you're really not. There's really no hundred mm-hmm. percent downtime. Um, um, I'd say the the hardest part um, with guiding would be managing expectations. Mm-hmm. So. I try to, to, to ask people questions, you know, like, you know, you know, what do you want to do? What, you know, your perfect day, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, try to, to build my day around those expectations, mm-hmm. but also try to manage them and say, look, this is, this is happening or this isn't happening. Um, I'll say that's the hardest part. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I very rarely have any kind of, um, issues with anybody that's on the boat. I've turned the boat around one time in 20 years because, wow. because somebody, being an asshole, like a total fucking asshole, not even yeah. an asshole. Yeah. But um. Well, that sounds like an interesting story. Oh yeah, that's a that's another, another another day, <laughs> another day. I'll take your. But word. um, so uh, you know, it's I say that's it. I mean, I love my job. I never, mm-hmm. I hardly ever wake up. I never wake up and say, I gotta go to work today. You yeah. Know? It's like, oh shit, it's gonna be windy today, or it's gonna be cloudy, mm-hmm. or or like the weather conditions wear on you. You get like a week of cloudy and windy. And you can't see anything. You're trying to sight mm-hmm. fish. I mean, we, you know, you're you're relegated to sight, especially mm-hmm. you know, especially in Louisiana. You're, you got to see what you're doing. But um, I never wake up and say, "Man, I got to go to work today." What's your least favorite fish to target out of the species that you target? Like out of my species, I target. Yeah. So don't use any like, you know, side things or something like that. Ladyfish or. Oh no, I'll take ladyfish. They're fun. They really serve the mess they make on your boat, but. Um, like out of the big targets. So, I mean, you know, where we're fishing, you know, lagoon, it's mostly redfish, sea trout, black drum. Mm-hmm. You know, we get, we get an excellent baby tarpon fishery in the summertime. I mean, it's like super good mm-hmm. because it's been warm and mild for the past 10 years. We've actually got, got a pretty good snook fishery now too. And then, you know, Louisiana, it's mostly redfish, sea trout, 
I mean, black drum. And we'll give you jacks. Yeah, jacks in the summertime, sheepshead. And not even really trout because we don't yeah. really trout fish because we're fly fishing. Um, I'd say black drum. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. I just. I remember the first time I caught a black drum. It was underwhelming. Yeah, that's that. That's a good way to put them. But, but on those days that it's cloudy and you can't see anything, yeah. you can see a black drum and they will eat. And I, I don't, I've, They're great practice for tailing redfish. I mean, we, yeah. we, we got into a mess of them when I first started fly fishing a few years ago. And uh, it was really great casting practice. And I still blow shots on black drum, which is, yeah. I mean, that's, well, that's tricky. about as low well, as you about, get. I guess the black drum, you have to, they're, they're not as aggressive as a redfish. You have to you have to cast mm-hmm. better on a black drum yeah. than you do a redfish. I mean, the the black drum in Louisiana eat a lot. Mm-hmm. The ones in the Mosquito Lagoon, they can be a pain in the ass. Yeah. You throw a shrimp at them, they eat it every time because they they smell. They eat by scent a lot. But you mm-hmm. throw flies at them, they they ignore it or the way they bite it. You know, they pull mm-hmm. off a lot. But it's di- it's just different. But um, I guess that's not really. I don't even know. They don't. Really, I don't like have a disdain for them but mm-hmm. if, if i could fish a redfish over a black drum yeah i'm gonna fish a redfish mm-hmm. so Who, who's your if you had to have one song playing every time someone got on your boat hmm. like your theme song uh i'm kind of on a black keys kick right now so okay um the song i like is sinister kid by the black keys okay i don't know if you're familiar with the black keys or not but yeah i would play it but i'd probably get in trouble with apple and then it took oh, the yeah. podcast down, but go check it out. Yeah. And, and I'm, I just thought that was funny if you had a, a song where every time you got on the boat, it's just like, that'd be right, a good one. We're though. with Scott. It's got yeah. a good, dun, dun, it's got a good beat to it. It's kind of gets you going a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but yeah, that'd be the, that's kind of like a favorite song right now. If you could have one thing on a billboard for every angler to see on their way to Mosquito Lagoon, what would it be? Well, there's a NASA billboard you see all over the place, like around, like on 95. I don't know if it's still there. It's called, it's called give me my space. It's it's a big, give me my space, like space. I want my space, man. Leave me alone. That's a good one. Don't roll up on me. Give me my space. Especially like, I don't know. It's it's just, it's, I guess that's happening everywhere, but Mm -hmm. the way people will move on, like it's, it's different. Like how much space would you say that somebody needs? It just depends on what you're doing. It's it's all real. Well, what do you know? Like, okay, you're out. Yeah. Let's, well, let's say okay, you're if, red fishing. If you see somebody, fly, if you see somebody pulling around and fly fishing, depending yeah. on where they're at, just just leave them alone. Just don't go. Just don't go, go out of eyesight. That's what you'd say. Yeah, I mean, not out of eyesight. I guess I mean, give them a couple hundred yards. Yeah, at least. Yeah, don't go across their bow. Yeah. Never cut somebody off. I mean, that's that's like, you know, like. You know, or like, or like the guy that you're, you're fishing a bar edge and you're pulling yeah. back and forth on, you're tacking back and forth. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, but like, if if you're like working your way down a, a shoreline, how many hundred yards, miles, before I'm not cutting you off? I would say, it just depends on the way the shoreline's shaped too. I mean, yeah. if it's a big straight nothing shoreline. You know, go half a mile. Yeah. Or something. Just yeah, don't go you. like right in front. Like, if if it's gonna take me, give me a half an hour, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you think it's going to take me a half an hour to pull to, you can stop there. It's fine because yeah. it's you know. But I've been going just casting distance. So that's I a good. That's but. a good plan. <laughs> I had kidding. that. I had a dude idling, like just literally idling around me yesterday, and like doing donuts around me. Like, what's this guy doing? Like he yeah. saw, you know, it's, it's all another another a guy buddy of mine and I on some fish. We're spin fishing. They're fishing a big black drum schooler, making a big mud. So it wasn't like I was. Yeah. Like, you could see the big. You could see the mud for a mile away. Yeah. Um, but the fish were in a certain part of the mud and you know, the guy kept just like, he knew we were on him and he was, I don't know what he was doing, but he kept moving the fish around just like mm-hmm. just being real aggressive and not like fishing. It was weird, but 
Um, and it seems like this, some of the stuff that happens in our area, it's like, you're like, where else would that be okay? You know, yeah. but you've seen the Florida man stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. We, we're in Florida, man. Yeah, you we're know, in Florida, man. You, you see some crazy stuff. Oh. Have you ever followed the qual- the unqualified or qualified? Oh, that's captain? great. That's great. Yeah. yeah, those guys. You know, that's like pretty much just exclusively Floridians yeah, pretty much. in boats. Oh, it's it's, um, it's bad, but yeah, just give yeah, just give me my space, man. My my last rapid fire question is: Give me a few tips on sight fishing because I've been told by a couple of people that you're great at sight fishing. Well, I appreciate that, but um, at spotting fish, the big, particularly. Spotting the biggest fish. thing I would say. I mean, it depends on what you're doing too, right? Mm. So if you're if you're spin fishing, your the setup is different if you're fly fishing. So if you're fly fishing, you need to set up your visual range has to be within casting distance. So I'll try to manipulate my angles, and so some, you know, so generally you're going to try to go sun at your back, mm-hmm. you know, what a, a hard edge, you know, like especially you know you know some kind of an edge on the on the casting side so if this person's left-handed or right-handed you know you're gonna have that have some kind of a an edge that's gonna hold something or you know mm-hmm. what you think you think because it's, it's a little different it's not like tarpon fishing where you're gonna, you're gonna you the fish are gonna swim regardless you know you know they're gonna come by an edge or you know how they're gonna work on that edge mm-hmm. um you know a lot of times the red fishing you you're trying to find the fish right so they're gonna sit on an edge either off the shoreline or you know there's a run out they're gonna sit depend, depends on you know how the how the holding spots set up on the time of day, mm-hmm. the wind direction. And, and there's a lot to it, but I would say the, the biggest thing I would say with sight fishing is, um, I mean, don't stare. Like everybody wants to like stare a hole in the water at one mm-hmm. place, scan around. Like I, I, I'm, I'm my head's on a swivel. I'm looking up and down. Um, you know, I usually tell the person that's in front of the boat, like, look, you're responsible for, you know, from 11 o'clock to one o'clock and close. Cause I can't see through you. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I, if I had, if I had x-ray vision, I wouldn't be fishing guy. It'll be, I'll have a Cape and I'll be flying around and you know, it'll be Superman. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I think that that's the big one. Look, look for something that looks different then give it a double take. Don't just mm-hmm. stare like you, you'll wear your eyes out. So I, I'm big on scanning. Um, and you know, it's looking for color, different, different, especially redfish will look depending on the bottom type. Um, especially like say Louisiana, the bottom's dark a lot of places mm-hmm. and, it, and it, and the water will trick you because it's cleaner than it looks because there's no transition. The bottom's all exactly the same color of Brown, right? Mm-hmm. Or gray or whatever colored bottom is in that zone. So it looks the same unless you're on sand, which is there's some places with sand, but not many. Um, so you'll look for white, you'll see the bellies and their pectoral fins a lot of times or their mouth. You see like the, mm-hmm. you know, their mouths. Um, so white, you know, white's a good, good yeah. pickup. Kind of do you in, and just kind of helping your clients say, okay, this is what you're looking for. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I talk yeah. them through it and I, and I'll say, like, I'll say, you know, you know, everybody's kind of got their own way of, you know, 11 o'clock, 30 feet. And then I'll say, look for the orange glow. The fish looks black. The fish looks this. I'm, he's facing mm-hmm. right. He's facing left. Like I, I, I'll, I'll get pretty, you know, detail specific on what I'm looking at. Like, mm-hmm. okay, see, you know, see the clump of oysters, look, see the black clump of oysters. He's three feet to the left of that. If there's a, if there's a reference marker, I'm going to use that mm-hmm. because people can pick up on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that I think it's the big thing is not staring a hole in the water and having a good pair of sunglasses. Um, you know, everybody spends a lot of money on rods and reels and stuff. And then they get, they get like a pair of cocoon fit over glass, you know, that go over their prescription glasses that, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't, they don't, they don't work right. Um, if you're spending money on fishing trips, if you're fishing any, you know, if you need prescription lenses, get, get a good pair of prescription sunglasses or, you know, 
get contacts and good good lenses. Um, mm. You know, even you know the cheaper ones are they work good, but you know get a good glass, mm-hmm. a good glass lens. You know the optics are so much better on them. But um, you know, get get good gear. I mean, mm. if you're gonna sight fish, you know that that's a number one. You know, especially you know my eleven o'clock is different than the guy up front's eleven o'clock. My mm. thirty feet's different. Everything's relative, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so you know if if the guy up front or gal can see the fish and work through it, they're going to have a better opportunity because they can adjust, mm-hmm. uh, adjust their cast themselves instead of saying, okay, throw five feet left, five feet, right. You know, mm-hmm. try to talk people through that. Cause some, you know, everybody goes, you know, nine o'clock and they're, they're looking over at three o'clock or yeah. you know, your other right, your other left. That's my, oh, your other left, your yeah. other, your other left. Your- and, and I like the, I like when you do the, <laughs> and this was when I heard this, this is really helpful, but like, all right, point your rods up here, yep. you know, and just go ahead and get them pointing. Uh, no, no, t- right. A little more, right. A little more, right. A little more, right. Right there. Now make a cast. Oh, that, Boom. that works for something you can see far away. A lot of times redfish. Yeah. They're, they pop up too close. You can't even do that. Oh no, yeah. no. It's t- yeah. The, the shots happen. But you do Tinkura charters, don't you? <laughs> no, we have a good, good story about that. We actually had a guy trying to, um, Tinkara fish this past year and it's hard. Like to get the shot because the Takara rod, you know, the line is an exact length, right? So now you yeah. get stripping in. So your cast has to be, you have to make the setup exactly at that distance, which yeah. is impossible basically because you can't, you know, it's red, redfish are different. It's not like you're throwing on a line, you know, or they're maybe sitting. a black drum. Oh, you could definitely do a black drum. Yeah. Because those tail and you can pull off of them and stuff. But that's the next big thing. Yeah. Well, that'd be fun. All that, I'd love to see that because I'll be. Yeah. There's some black drum around right now that you can blow some stuff up on. I mean, yeah, big, big. That would be interesting. We should, we should do that sometime. Do that the Takara? would be fun. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. for black drum. Yeah, well, you could do it. I, I mean, where I, you know, you can actually Takara fish in the Skill Lagoon because fish will get in balls tailing, so you have a big target, and yeah. they're not that big. You know, five pound fish, and you yeah. can, everybody you know. likes to make fun of it, but I'd like to catch something big on too. one before I knock it. Yeah, before I make fun of it. Yeah. Well, you guys used to. Um, commercial trout fish um with splatter poles there's a big long like 20 foot long yeah, yeah, fiberglass those, pole yeah. with pig fish where you know in the in the indian river mosquito lagoon these guys would hook big big red fish and tarpon and stuff on them i mean they break them off but yeah. you know it's funny old old uh, one of the commercial guys uh old andy would be like damn I have damn 40 pound redfish on my, my fucking splatter pole every day man. <laughs> can you, you know, imagine a tarpon on one dude oh that'd, that'd be, be crazy that would be interesting. That'd be insane. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm. Sh- I'm sure someone out there is on YouTube doing stuff. Like oh, I'm that, sure. But that's probably bad for the fish. So we can't. Yeah, probably. Probably yeah. can't encourage it. But no, it's probably well, bad idea. Hey, man, thanks for coming. That was hang fun. Out I'm glad us. we finally make it. You know, make it happen. We've been trying to, you know, get our schedules. And he texts me like, "Hey, man, when are you, when are you rolling through this way?" And just happened yeah, like, <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow is that work? Yeah, <laughs> that's a normal fishing guide. Tomorrow, right? Like, yeah. we're all, our schedules are so wacky. What like, time? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, sometime tomorrow. We'll yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. No Thank problem. you. And, uh, I'll thanks make sure to put links on so that people can follow you and everything yeah, and cool. contact you. So thanks sure, for coming sure. on. Good deal. Thanks again for listening to the Captain's Collective. If you made it this far, chances are that you are enjoying the podcast. And I'd love your help in sharing the word and also giving us some ratings on iTunes. Just taking a few moments to do that helps us out a ton. So set a reminder in your phone, set a note, whatever you need to do. Uh, to take some time later today to give us a review and share the podcast. We appreciate all the support. We're excited for what's to come. This is the Captain's Collective.